0: Uh, Amber and I love to schedule coffee and dinner dates with people in the church. Some of you guys, we've called you up and said, hey, we wanna get together, just chat, have some coffee. For us, it's just a good way to get to know you and to hear your story. But do you know who gets really nervous when we call and set up these coffee dates? Husbands. I don't know why, but husbands always assume that we've got some sort of ulterior motive. Maybe it's because we always call the wives and so the husbands are like, wait, why are we meeting with them? Did we do something wrong? Like, are they upset? Did they look at our giving records? What's going on? We often find out that on the way to the meeting, the husbands are grilling their wives and they're like, now, what exactly did they say on the phone? Why do they want to meet with us? What am I walking into? We talk with these husbands who are nervous, you know, when we're meeting with them. We're like, so tell us how you guys met. And they... Go a different direction in the conversation because, again, they assume that we're after something else. And so we're like, hey, tell us your story. How did you come to faith? And they're like, hey, pastor, you know, I know we haven't been to church a whole lot recently. I'm very sorry about that. Um, we were out of town two weeks ago. And then last Sunday, our cat coughed up a hairball. And then our son was chasing the daughter with the hairball around the house. It was a whole big hairball thing. And Amber and I are always like, guys, unclench. It's okay. We just want to get to know you. Honestly, that's the only thing we're after. We want to hear your story. Because of all the things that we've learned in ministry, one of the best discoveries we've ever made is that everybody has a story and that every story is worth hearing. Your story is worth telling and it's worth hearing. It really is. We find out when we have these conversations, we discover all of this really interesting stuff about you guys, about the people that call Connect Church home. For example, I learned that Evan Tillett and I grew up about 20 minutes away from each other in Southern California. We had never met before we stepped foot in the theater together, and yet we spent our childhoods really just a few kilometers away from one another. I think that's pretty interesting, Right. We learned that uh, Lisa Johnson has training as a sommelier. So that makes her a really interesting person to talk about wines with. She just lights up and gets really, really excited when we talk about that. Me, when I talk about wines, I'm like, hmm, that's good. I can really taste the grapes, you know? (laughs) It's like drinking a glass of milk and saying, wow, I can really taste the cow. It's a stupid, stupid thing to say, but I don't know any better. And so when I hang out with somebody who has a passion and who has knowledge about wine, then it's a wonderful and very enjoyable experience. I mean, we learn these really cool things about each other. We learned that Sherry and Alan Polanka have one of the cutest love stories you could ever hope to hear in your entire life. Next time you see them, I want you guys to ask them about how they got together because it's a story that it just brings smile to your face. Every single person has a story, and every single story is worth telling. Oftentimes, it's surprising. Oftentimes, it's very enjoyable, but every story is worth telling, and every story is worth celebrating. Have you ever considered that the people in Scripture have very fascinating stories as well? Not only to the, do those of us who live here in Calgary in 2018 have interesting stories, but the people in the Bible do as well. I think we have this tendency to look at anybody who made it into the Bible and assume, oh, the only way they got in is they were a super saint or they were a mega sinner. That's, a, that's like the only way that you could ever qualify to be in the Bible, Right? And because we don't think of ourselves as either super saints or mega sinners, it becomes very hard for us to hear the stories of people in Scripture and then relate to them, to see how the same things that they struggled with are the things that you and I struggle with every single day. It's a little bit harder for us. But do you know that when you dive into these stories, these characters in the Bible, you find not super sinners. Not mega saints. What you find are very normal people like me and you. Really surprisingly complex. Very, very run-of-the-mill, ordinary type people. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to dive back into a periodic series we do here at Connect called Characters, because as we learn that each of us has a very interesting and worthwhile story, we're going to find a bunch of people in the Bible that have interesting and worthwhile stories to tell as well. And today we're going to look at a guy who was very much an average Joe. His name was Philip. He's probably not a guy you've heard a whole lot about in the scripture, but he has a fascinating story to tell from the book of Acts. And what I love about this story is that you're gonna see a lot of yourself in Philip. He's not going to come across as an angel walking around with a halo over his head. You're going to see that he was a very, very ordinary guy, and yet God used him to do some extraordinary things. So we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter number eight, and before we read this particular story about Philip and his um, experience, I just want to tell you a little bit about who Philip was, because he only appears a couple times in the Bible, once in Acts chapter number six, and then again here in Acts chapter number eight. So this story takes place just a few years after Jesus had been crucified. After the very first Good Friday Easter weekend, the church went on. And so the disciples, the 12 that had followed Jesus, they had continued to preach about his him and try to share his love with the world. And the church that they were building in the ancient city of Jerusalem began to grow a lot. And it turned out that these 12 or 11, by this point, disciples that uh, you know, had followed Jesus for years and were continuing to serve the church, they needed some help. They couldn't do it all on their own. And so they got together and they said, let's form a dream team. They didn't use the word dream team, but that's basically what they did. They said, let's get a group of people together that can help us love and serve everybody that's coming to Jesus. And so in Acts chapter number six, they select a group of men and one of those men is named Philip. Now here's the thing about Philip and really the whole group at large. The scripture says the reason that these men were selected was because they were full of the Holy Spirit. That's it. It doesn't say they were selected because they had memorized the entire Bible. It doesn't say that these men were selected because they gave the most to church on Sundays. It didn't say these guys were selected because they were the most charismatic or they were the most successful. The only qualification apparently that they needed to hit was that they were full of the Holy Spirit. So these men begin to send, uh, serve the church and Jesus uses them to continue to reach more and more people in the city of Jerusalem. So we're gonna pick up the story here in Acts chapter number eight. Again, we haven't heard a lot about Philip other than he was chosen for this group. And yet when we start reading here, Acts chapter number eight, verse 26, the Bible says, "'As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, "'Go south down the desert road "'that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza.'" Now, wait a sec, wait a sec. Didn't you just tell me he was a normal everyday guy? And then in verse, the first verse that we read here, an angel appears to him. That does not sound very normal. He must've been special. He must've been a super saint or a mega sinner. No, he wasn't. This is a weird kind of happening. I'm not going to lie. I've never had an angel show up and talk to me, okay? This is not normal experience, but I think you're going to see why an angel shows up in just a few minutes. So we'll come back to that idea. But for now, I want you to focus on what the angel said to Philip. The angel said to Philip, I want you to go south down the desert road that runs from the city of Jerusalem to the city of Gaza, if you really stop and think about it, those are not super specific directions, are they? He says to him, I want you to walk down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, maybe you've never been on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, so you may not know that this was a 100 kilometer long stretch of road. And the angel shows up and says, hey, Philip, I want you to start walking. Just go down the road. What do you think Philip's first question would have been? Why, what, what, what? You want me to what? This would be like an angel showing up to you this morning and saying, I want you to just start walking west until you get to Canmore. And you're like, what? Because it's about hundred kilometers away. You're like, no, wait, what? I don't understand. I need more details. Can you tell me what's gonna happen as I walk down the road? Silence. Am I gonna go all the way or you know, somebody gonna meet me halfway? Silence. No answer at all. There was no more explanation except one specific call to take a step from God. Hey, look, can I just tell you as a quick principle, this is how God works in our lives. We want him to line everything out. We want him to tell us the whole plan ahead of time. And he does not do that. Do you realize that? When God called Amber and I to plant a church, we felt a call to move to Calgary and to start a church. But there was so much that God left unsaid. Which part of the city should we move in? Should we move to the Northwest or the Southeast? We don't have a clue. And we prayed and God never told us. We finally just selected a place that seemed good. We thought, wow, what if people don't like us? We're Americans. God, how are we gonna be able to overcome that hurdle? No answer. Hey God, what should our church look like? No answer. He just called us to take a step. Listen, God is gonna to speak to you in your life and he's gonna ask you to take one step and you're like, okay, God, you want me to go to U of C, but what am I supposed to major in? Can you tell me the plan? He's not gonna tell you the plan. He's gonna tell you to take a step of obedience. And as we'll see, after you take one step, you can take another and another and another. God reveals his plan in a step-by-step fashion. All right, now let's look on at the next verse here. The scripture says, so he started out, And along the way, he met the treasurer of the country of Ethiopia, who was a eunuch of great authority under Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Man, there's so much interesting stuff in this verse. I don't have time to pull it all out. But let me just tell you that along the way, he meets a really, really important guy. He was a eunuch, which meant, unfortunately, he was a slave in Ethiopia and he had had a surgery, if you know what I mean. And so um, he was a guy who was bound to serve his queen. But what's really interesting is the Bible tells us, although he was an African man, although he lived in another part of the world, he worshiped the God of the Old Testament. And so he had made this long journey from Africa all the way up to Israel so that he could try to worship at the temple. Now look, um, we're not going to read the verses or anything like that, but in the Old Testament, Anybody who was a eunuch was prevented from becoming a Jew. And there were reasons for it. To be honest with you, I'm not sure they were great reasons. We don't have time to unravel that. But I want you to understand, this guy was actually not allowed to be fully admitted to the temple. And so we could say that like so many people in our world, this guy was spiritual, but he wasn't religious. He wasn't allowed to be religious. He didn't fit into the church structures at the time. And that might be where you're at this morning. You might be saying, hey, look, I'm here, but I don't know why, because I don't belong in this group, all right? I don't belong. I thought I was gonna get struck by a lightning bolt the second I stepped into the theater. It didn't happen, thankfully. But you don't feel like you belong. If that's you, I hope you'll identify a bit with this Ethiopian guy. See how God deals and treats him and see if God isn't trying to say the same things to you this morning. Listen, for those of us that are believers, this is a great reminder that people are far more interested in spiritual matters than we give them credit for. Do you realize that? People are far more interested in spiritual discussion, conversation than we give them credit for. We want to hang back and say, oh no, we could never talk about that because it's impolite and it's not PC and I don't want to make the situation awkward or weird. And yet we are surrounded by people who want to have conversations. They just want to have the right conversations. Okay, next verse. The scripture says um, he was seated in his carriage. He meets this Ethiopian eunuch. He sees this guy who was seated in his carriage, like literally carried along by other people. And he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, all right? He wanders past this guy and he's like, whoa, I recognize that, that's Bible, He's actually reading from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And so he kind of walks over and he starts to have a conversation. And this is so key, you guys. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to start following Philip's example. I want you to go about your normal day with your eyes open. I want you to look for places and people in which God is already at work. And I want you to join him there. Because there are people who want to have conversations, they just want to have the right conversations. And meanwhile, we're on the street handing out pamphlets to people that couldn't care less. We've got a bullhorn or we're on Facebook and we're telling everybody what we think about this and that. And we are surrounded by people who just want to have an honest conversation because they have spiritual questions. They want somebody to help them understand. And so you need to look for what God is already doing around you and then join him there. I may have told you guys recently that on Good Friday, I went to Starbucks in the morning and the baristas were behind the counter, kid you not, all four of them were having a conversation about the difference between Good Friday and Easter because it was Good Friday and they knew Easter was coming up. And so these people, It was very clear from their talk. They had no clue. They didn't go to church. They were totally wrong about everything they were saying. And so I got to say, hey, I just happened to overhear. I'm a pastor. Could I help you guys understand the difference a little bit? I didn't manufacture that. It just happened to be there. God was actually at work among them. And I got to quickly speak to the questions that they had in the moment. Listen, this happens to you all the time. You have a coworker who's talking about their struggles, And you don't think anything of it. You don't see it as a God opportunity to speak love and grace and hope into that situation. Somebody in your neighborhood group says, you know, Facebook group says, I need help moving. Is there anybody that can show up this Saturday? And you see that as an inconvenience. Can I just challenge you to reframe it, change your perspective? See that as God at work in their life and an open invitation for you to do something that might make an eternal difference. Philip's just walking along, trying to be obedient, figure out what the heck God wants for him, and he senses an opportunity. In fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit tells him in the next moment, Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Now again, I want you to notice, he doesn't say, and when you get over there, I want you to lead with this question. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, Philip, I want you to stop the carriage so you can have a talk. He just says, go walk alongside of it. And Philip's like, okay, what's going to happen? I don't know, but I guess I'll be obedient. There's no explanation, just a nudge, to get involved, to dig a little deeper, to go beyond the superficial, to maybe get to hear somebody's story. And then as we'll see, tie their story to the big story that God is telling. So the next verse says, Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? All right. Philip ran over there. Why? Because guys, you're going to have opportunities that pop up during your day. And those opportunities will not stick around forever. You're going to sense a nudge and you're going to say, well, I'm not going to talk to him about it today, but I'll see him tomorrow at work. Will you? Do you know for sure? They might get ticked and quit. Who knows? Or somebody is just in this moment, man, they need somebody to come and speak grace and love and truth and hope to them. And you're like, nah, I don't wanna make it awkward. I don't wanna just in, you know, interject myself. And if we're not careful, these really wonderful, powerful, transformative opportunities that God gives to us, they can disappear. And so Philip, when he sensed one, he ran towards it instead of running away from it. I run away from it. I was at uh, Starbucks on our trip to Vancouver the other day. And this big, swole bodybuilder come in, and he sat down right at the chair across from me. We were like knee to knee. It was kind of uncomfortable. I'm serious. Everything I'm about to tell you is true. You're gonna think I'm making this up, but I'm not. I gotta move fast. Um, He sits down knee to knee, and he's playing on his phone. I'm playing on my phone. Just a jack dude. He's got like bleach blonde hair. It's all spiked up, you know. And so uh, he finally says to me, "Hey, can you give me a hand? Are you good with?" phone technology stuff. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess. What do you need? And he hands me an Android phone, which I've never touched an Android phone in my life. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help you. No lie. This is what happens. He says, look, I keep getting these notifications. It's like spam messages and I don't know how to get rid of them. And I'm like, okay. And so I take his phone, guys, it was straight hardcore porn stuff. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my. No, it wasn't that big of a deal. But like, seriously, I was like, this is weird. So I'm like, okay, I think I can figure this out and I'm helping him out, you know, and I finally get it put away. And then I start talking to him and he tells me this amazing story about how he had had this terrible injury. He'd been a competitive bodybuilder and he had this terrible injury. And for five years, he'd been essentially laid up at the house and not able to work out. And he was depressed and he was struggling. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, this is an opportunity, Dan. You need to pray for this guy. And I said, dude, I wish you all the best. And I walked away. Look, I don't get this right either. I'm not going to, you're not going to, we're not going to step into every moment and and we're going to sense a nudge and we're just going to jump right in. And all of a sudden, you know, people are going to get saved and the whole continent is going to be transformed. That sort of stuff doesn't always happen. But man, I thought, what if I prayed for that guy? I wonder what would have happened. So I went back to Starbucks the next day. And I sat down in the same chair at the same time. And sure enough, homeboy came walking in again. And he was like, oh, you're back. And I was like, yeah, how's your phone situation? And he's like, it's been good, man, thank you. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So he sat down, we had a deeper conversation and I prayed for him before we left. Now, listen, do not I'm not celebrating me. I screwed up, okay? This was like remedial prayer, okay? But I knew in that moment, God was saying, this is an opportunity. And you need to just kind of say something to help this guy out. Now look, you're surrounded by these opportunities and I want you to take advantage of them because they won't always be there. Your chance to talk to your family member, your coworker, your neighbor, whatever the case may be, they won't always be there. So I want you to make sure that you at least try, reach out, follow Philip's example in this verse. You know what Philip didn't do? He didn't say, dude, let me tell you what you're reading. He didn't say, I've got a degree in the Bible. So let me explain to you the book of Isaiah. He asked a question. He said, hey, dude, do you understand what you're reading? See, he started with them. And he asked questions so that he could listen. Because how many of you guys know that listening is better than lecturing? How many of you guys know that dialogue is better than giving a dissertation? When you're sitting across the table from somebody, when God opens up a divine appointment for you, maybe you don't need to offer answers. Maybe you just need to ask the right questions. Jesus was a master at this. And Philip followed his example. And boy, Christians would be a whole lot better if we did the same. If we just asked a question, hey, what do you make of what's going on in your life? Why do you think this is happening right now? So lead with a question have a conversation, don't just show up like you're the savior, like you have all the answers. Okay, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless somebody instructs me? How many of you guys have ever had that experience reading the Bible? You're like, I cannot make sense out of this at all, you guys, I don't know what the heck I'm looking at. It's such an honest response. And you're gonna get that a lot. If you ask somebody, why do you think this is happening? They're gonna say, I don't know. I, I really don't know. What do you think? What would you say? Why do you think God let this happen? And then you get the opportunity to speak into their situation. Listen, Philip had prepared himself to be with this guy. He had spent time in the scripture. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he had his eyes open as he was going through his day. That preparation led to an invitation from this man. The invitation to speak into his circumstances. The invitation to offer a possible solution. The invitation to be involved in his story. As a Christian, can I beg you, don't go insert yourself in somebody's problems. Live a life that causes them to invite you in. To, to say, hey, what do you think I should do? I know you're, you're a spiritual person. Would you pray for me? Or do you have any idea how I should handle this? Those sorts of moments will yield so much better results, you guys, than just saying, hey, here it is. I've got the answer. So this guy, Philip, prepared himself. Then he was invited. Finally, he was promoted Look at this. Philip is invited into the carriage of the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. That's bananas. Philip was a normal dude. His only qualification was he showed up at church on Sundays. And yet he was promoted to this place that he had no business being in. Can I tell you, if you will prepare yourself, if you'll go through your day with open eyes, you are going to be invited into situations. You're gonna be invited into places and positions with people that you have no business being in. But when you prepare yourself, God promotes you. God gives you chance and opportunity. He gives you influence that you will never have if you don't have your eyes open, if you've never done anything to get yourself ready for these super cool moments that happen every single day. Philip was invited to influence this guy. And I just wonder how many times you and I are invited to influence people and we overlook the opportunity because our eyes are closed. So the passage of scripture that this eunuch had been reading was this he, so it's quoting the book of Isaiah here, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. This is Isaiah 53. It's a reference to Jesus, a prediction or a prophecy about Jesus. He goes on to read the next section of verses. It says, he, meaning Jesus, was humiliated and he received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. Then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, Was the prophet Isaiah talking about himself or was he talking about somebody else? Now, I just gave you the answer. So who was he talking about there? He was talking about Jesus. So Isaiah wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the coming Messiah. All right. So the Bible says here, Philip, beginning with the same scripture, Isaiah 53, he told the eunuch the good news about Jesus. Now listen, this could not have happened if Philip had not prepared himself. If Philip didn't know the answer to that question, he's like, I don't know, maybe Isaiah's talking about himself. But Philip had spent time in the scripture. He had given himself to learning a little bit about this book. So when this amazing opportunity presented itself, he could say, you know what? Uh, Based on my understanding, this is talking about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Again, I want to point out, Philip was not one of the original 12 disciples. He did not know Jesus, okay? He didn't know him. He only knew about him from the scripture and from the other Christians that he was around. And yet he was able to say, here's the answer to the question that you're struggling with. Listen, you can learn the Bible. If you've ever had that experience like the Ethiopian eunuch, and you're like, I cannot make heads or tails of this. I would never be able to understand this book. That's wrong. It's a lie. It's not true. Nobody is born knowing the Bible. Do you guys realize that? Nobody is born knowing the Bible. We all start like, duh. But if you'll prepare yourself a little bit, If you'll read the scriptures, if you'll get involved in a Bible study or you'll commit to being at church regularly, you know what'll happen? You'll start to understand this piece by piece. Some of it will start to come together and later other pieces will as well. And all of a sudden it's gonna start clicking. You're like, whoa, I get it. Whoa, this is mind blowing. Whoa. Then all of these moments throughout the day where God is at work in the lives of people around you, you're gonna say, I actually know the answer to that. Or at least I can give you what the scripture says about that because you have actually prepared yourself for these wonderful opportunities that God gives you on a daily basis. This is why it's so important that you get involved into a connect group. When they start this next summer, I know it's summer and it's busy and you've got plans and people, I don't know if you wanna meet up with them after church or throughout the, I understand all of that. But can I just encourage you to get plugged into a connect group? Like do it, don't put it off. Summer's a great time to do it because it's only an eight week semester. So if you get with a group of people you don't really care about, hey, in two months they'll be gone from your life. So it's no big deal. Let me challenge you, get out of the seats. Get involved, prepare yourself, learn some of what's in here. You don't have to become a saint. You don't have to become a doctor of the Bible or anything like that, but you need to be able to be familiar enough with the gospel, with the story of God's redemptive love for all people that when these opportunities show up, you could say, hey, listen, let me tell you what I've experienced and what I've learned. Philip also does something really, really key here. He answers the man's questions but then he points the conversation back towards Jesus. When you get into spiritual conversations, they're going to be like, so what does the Bible mean in the book of Leviticus when it says if a woman commits adultery, she should be stoned? You should be able to answer that sort of question. And then you should be able to draw the conversation towards Jesus. You should be able to say, actually, it's weird that you say that because Jesus actually encountered a woman who was in the middle of adultery. And rather than stoning her, which is what the religious people wanted to do, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Whoa, the only way you're ever gonna be able to draw that conclusion, link those things together and give people a pointer towards Jesus is if you've learned the scripture yourself and then you always point it back towards God's son who loved you and gave himself for you. This is the model. Answer people's questions, but always point them to Jesus. Okay, we're gonna wrap up here. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? If you've never been baptized, I want you to hold on to that question for just a moment. We're going to come back to it because we're going to do baptisms right after the service in the lobby. And I want you to understand what it is we're doing. Look, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And Philip says, You can if you believe with all of your heart. And so the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Listen, in order to become a Christian, you don't need to be a member of a church. You don't need to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to give money in order to have a relationship with God. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be a perfect person. In fact, nobody is. The one thing that's required to have a relationship with God through Jesus is this. I believe Jesus is sent from God. That's it, that's the gospel. That God came to reveal himself to us so that we would see our brokenness and our need for a relationship with him. Jesus died on the cross to take away our stupid mistakes so that we could be raised to life again through him. If you believe that Jesus is God's son, then you can have a relationship with God. You could follow him in baptism. You could start down this journey of walking with God every single day day. It is not complicated. In fact, it's unbelievably simple. Do you believe? If so, then sure, you're a Christian or you can be a Christian and you can be baptized as well. So we'll finish here where the eunuch orders the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. It was a conversion and immediately to baptism. Now, listen, This is all because Philip was obedient. Have you ever asked yourself, why didn't the angel just go meet the eunuch walking down the road? Why didn't the angel go do that? Well, there are a few reasons. Number one, Philip's story reminds us that the individual is just as important as the crowd. The individual to God is just as important as the crowd. Listen, we get enamored with crowds. We want to know how many social media followers somebody has, and we want to see a full room on Sundays and blah, blah, blah. God doesn't care about that, or at least he's not as concerned. He's concerned with individuals, hearing their stories, drawing them in. Jesus tells a series of parables in Luke 15, and it's all about how God will leave the found in order to go find the lost. Even if there are 99 saved saints sitting in a chair on Sunday mornings. God wants us to be willing to say, hey, good for you guys, and go after the one that's still wandering. Listen, God cares about you as an individual. You're not a face in our crowd. You are a person with a story that needs to be told because God cares about individuals, not just crowds. Not only that, but Philip's story reminds us that people reach people. People reach people. So the angel didn't wander down the road in order to go talk to this Ethiopian eunuch because that's not God's plan. Or maybe the angel was lazy. I don't know. Maybe the angel got a demerit. God was like, you weren't supposed to send him. You were supposed to. No, (laughs) Philip was supposed to go because God uses people to reach people. Now, listen, if that's true, Who's going to share God's love with your neighbor? Who's going to share God's love with your coworker, with your family member? Who is God going to use to speak into the lives of the people around you? He could use angels. He could use miracles. He could, you know, whatever, but he chooses to use people. So I wanna challenge you to think about yourself as somebody that God might wanna use to draw somebody back to him. You need to do some preparation. You need to be ready. You need to have your eyes open, but hear me, you don't need to be perfect. You don't have to have all of the answers. If you'll just take one step, man, God will meet you there and he'll do incredible things. Last thing Philip's story reminds us of is that the church must gather well and scatter well. I love our Sundays, you guys. They're so great. Our worship team's wonderful. Our coffee team brews up the best beans in in the city. I mean, like I love Sundays, but one hour a week is not enough for what God wants to do in your life and in our city. It is not enough. So we have got to gather well, yes, but then we've got to scatter out into our neighborhoods in Airdrie and Calgary, and we have got to bring God's love and goodness with us everywhere we go. If we only gather well, but we don't scatter well, then our faith is gonna be selfish and compartmentalized. If we only scatter well, but we don't gather well, then pretty soon we're gonna run out of steam. We need both of those things to be true of Connect Church in order for God to have his plans accomplished in our city.